Hey there, Papaholics. It's uh, Stony Colin here of the Colin Vampire Clan. Very famous vampire clan that uh, we're all vegetarians, you know. We only eat like deers and stuff. Uh, you may have heard of us. Well, I'm not one of the most popular members of the Colin family, but I did want to introduce the show. The boys asked me to come on as I am a, you know, I am a vampire bloodsucker of the night. And come on and introduce the show and tell you about our friends over at Instacart. Instacart is a fast, easy way to get your groceries delivered to your doorstep in as little as an hour. That's fast, okay? That's vampire skirting up a tree like a like a rabbit squirrel fast, you know? Quick vampire wits, okay? But they won't be you won't be answering the door and they're not gonna be sucking your blood or nothing. They don't do that. Not like us, uh, vampires. Well not our vampires. We we suck the blood out of like deers and other like Bambi and shit. Anyway, follow the link in the show notes. Boys get a kickback. You get free delivery on orders thirty five dollars or more. Pretty good deal, if you ask me. And I know deals. I'm a vampire. Enjoy the show. Pop. Welcome to Popaholics, the show about hot takes hotter than pancakes, where we have a great end to our vampire month in store, where we decided to not care about vampire lore. This is your first time coming to the show. Welcome to Popaholics. Uh, If you're new to the show, what do we do? We talk about all things pop culture. We theme our months on these main episodes where you see the title of a movie and then we talk about it. But how are we different from other movie podcasts? Well, uh, again, we theme our months. It's around uh, like one singular uh, idea. And this idea in a spookiest of all months in October, we've decided to talk about vampires. And so this episode, oh boy, we're ending with one of the greats, I'll tell you what. But it's not just me. No, I've got some buddies with me. Uh, I'm the host, Christian Katie, but I wouldn't be anything. I would be nothing if I didn't have the Edward to my Bella. My two Chris best- Conkling. <laughs> oh, you <laughs> <laughs> and Brian Dupree. I don't know who's Ooh, who here. Which but. one's? Oh, well, one of you's Jacob and one of you's Edward. You knew it would come down to this. One of you's guys. Uh, uh, hey, fellow Popaholics, a- write in and tell us who's who. Hashtag Brian or hashtag Chris. Ooh, who's gonna be my man? Which one of you can abuse me more? And <laughs> that's what we're gonna find out. Oh God! Oh, it's already starting. Uh, so, what are we talking about today? Well, of course, uh, you know, we talked about Nosferatu which is the original but unoriginal uh, vampire movie. We talked about Bram Stoker's, excuse me, Bram Stoker's <laughs> Dracula, excuse me, Bram Stoker's Dracula, which we found a copy of in Fran Dresser's Dresser. If you want to know what that inside joke means, go listen to that episode. And we talked about what we do in the shadows, lighten things up, got a good spread of vampire lore. And then we decided to take a match and burn the whole thing down. On this week's episode, the Papaholics have sold out their soul to the devil himself and are covering are we is the show gonna go on from this (laughs) the boys have covered twilight say it see me you're impossibly fast and strong you gotta give me some answers i'd rather hear your theories i have considered radioactive spiders and kryptonite It's all superhero stuff, right? What if I'm not the hero? What if I'm the bad guy? I know what you are. Your skin is pale white and ice cold. Don't go out into the sunlight. Say it out loud. Say it. Vampire. Are you afraid? No. This isn't real. This kind of stuff just doesn't exist. 
That's in my world. Oh, I just want to try one thing. I don't know how long I've waited for you. What is going on? That is from the trailer of Twilight. 2008 is when this movie came out. And it stars. Uh, it's based on the novel Twilight. Came out in 2008, and it's based on the novel Twilight by Stephanie Meyer, directed by Catherine Hardwick, written by Melissa Rosenberg, scored by Carter Burwell, with a budget of $37 million. It took the world by storm by making a $407 million box office return. And it stars Kristen Stewart as Bella Swan, Robert Pattinson as Edward Cullen, Billy Burke as Charlie Swan, Taylor Lautner as Jacob Black, Peter uh, Facinelli as Carlisle Cullen, Elizabeth Reeser as Esme Cullen, and a whole bunch of other people. What are we going to be talking about with this? Well, we're going to talk about the Twilight phenomenon as it occurred in our uh, probably our, our teenage years as we were older and uh, our history with the movie and the franchise. Our overall thoughts on the movie Twilight, the, the, the first one. What are the themes of this film and how does it deal with vampire lore? And compare it to the widespread of vampire films we've talked about. Before we start, uh, I will say that we're going to be spoiling this movie probably pretty, pretty, pretty early. I'm not going to put a spoiler bumper in. We just expect that you've watched the movies we talk about on the show, but I did want to give a, a fair warning. Also, fair warning, uh, we're three dudes uh, that have varying experiences with these. Uh, I don't think we're going to be very kind to this movie, and I want to say that this series holds a special place in a lot of people's hearts, and if you like this series and you look at it fondly, I, I think we totally understand but I don't think this is going to be a very soft touch to us talking about this film. And uh, we're just going to try to have fun with it and um, talk about it in a way. If you have any thoughts, just like, please let us know if this movie's important to you and you really loved it as a kid or even still to this day, you have thoughts on the series, email us at popboxcast.gmail.com. We do not want to alienate anybody for their thoughts and their oh, feelings of loving a movie. I, I want to be very clear. If you love this movie and it holds a special place, like we don't want to diminish that. This is gonna. Yeah, we also don't think any less of you if you like this film. Like everyone's opinion is their own. Like film is completely uh, subjective. So no, well, not completely. Yeah. Um, so let's get into it, Brian. I do want to start with you, my friend, uh, because you have the most experience with this with this franchise. What is your history with Twilight phenomenon and history with the Twilight franchise uh, movies and books? Otherwise. So I actually started reading these books before the first movie ever came out. And I believe I started around the time the third book came out, Eclipse. Uh, it was early high school and I may have picked it up. I can't remember. I know my girlfriend at the time and I uh, were reading them at the same time. I can't remember if I picked it up first or she picked it up first. But yeah, it was, they obviously are not high literature by by any stretch but the narrative was compelling and i was very excited for the fourth one to come out that was the only one that i actually had to wait for it to be released and the movie was uh just coming out in 2008 towards the end of high school so growing up around harry potter and really enjoying seeing that series that i loved adapted i was pretty much on board for seeing these movies brought to the screen um they are very cinematic and yeah so, as in my high school, I don't know if this happened with you guys, but 
there were definite sides. People made shirts about Team Jacob versus Team Edward. And it was just very much this huge pop cultural phenomenon. And I know you guys avoided it somehow for the most part. But yeah, I was never... um, you know, dressing up or cosplaying or any like anything like that. But I definitely understood what people liked about these books because I got caught up in them as well. And as a teenager, as someone with um, maybe still some angst in me, you know, I, I was drawn to these characters, even though at the time, uh, especially with some of the stuff later, it's just undeniably problematic and weird in a lot of different ways and i'm sure it would be even more so reading it in um how as a nearly 30 year old man now but yeah i had a lot of fun with them and i watched all of the movies when they came out and like i said have read all the books so relatively familiar and uh excited to skewer this movie with both of you (laughs) Chris, I find that we, we're probably going to land on the same page as our girlfriends heavily invested in this when they were younger and come yeah. from a place of love and keeping up with it. And, and it really feels like they're Spider-Man in a way. They're, they're superhero of early, they're early romantic, uh, but also supernatural films. And, um, and we both uh, seemingly avoided the whole franchise for the most part. So why don't you tell us uh, what, what, what your experience with these films are? Yeah, I I think that's definitely fair to say, Christian, that I have actively uh, avoided this franchise for a very long time. I'm a couple years older than you guys. So when this finally came out in theaters, uh, I was already retired. You know, yeah, you had retired. Yeah, I was retired. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, Just a couple years older. (laughs) I was leaving my freshman year of college. My grandkids were reading it. (laughs) I don't know. I'm making a Chris's all joke. You are not that much older than, than us. Go ahead. I, uh. Yeah, I I was leaving my freshman year of college and entering into my sophomore year of college. So from what I recall about uh, this franchise is in when I was in high school, the the books were already out. So a lot of my female friends had been reading the books. I knew a little bit about them. Uh, There was a lot to be made fun of in my social circle that that's really all I remember from the the book experience uh, and what it was doing. Uh, in high school. But once the films came out, uh, the girl that I was dating at the time, thankfully, really didn't have a huge interest in seeing the movies. So that was step one in me <laughs> uh, avoiding having to see these films. From what I recall, though, in, in the early days of of the Twilight phenomenon, there was somewhat of a rivalry taking place between uh, Harry Potter fans and Twilight fans. Because uh, the Harry Potter movies were still being made and released in theaters just as Twilight was coming out. And Hollywood was kind of uh, all about this young adult adaptation thing going on. So uh, being the huge Harry Potter fan that I am, that was also kind of one of the reasons why I was kind of put off by by the Twilight books and never really picked them up or was really even interested in seeing the movies. But uh, as Christian mentioned, my wife really likes these movies. And uh, for seven years, I've been telling her that I'm going to sit down. We're going to watch all of them. And finally, with our vampire month this year, uh, I couldn't avoid it any longer. And uh, I finally submitted to watching the first one. To the vampire's kiss. I have to say the reason. (laughs) What'd you say? You finally submitted to the vampire's kiss. To the vampire's kiss. Yeah. And, And I have to say, I totally understand why my wife loves this story. There's so much about this story that resonates with her and parallels her own life. She's from the Pacific Northwest. She she was kind of a loner when she was in high school. Like, 
I, there are a lot of parallels and, and I can see a lot of parallels between, you know, Bella's high school experience and what she experienced. And she herself kind of told me that as we were watching it. So I definitely see why she has an affinity uh, for this particular narrative. And I can appreciate that, even if I really don't like it <laughs> myself. But uh, yeah, that, that's really my experience with the Twilight phenomenon. I completely remember the Team Jacob, Team Edward thing in college. Like every every female I knew was talking about this when we were in college. Um, I, I Like I said, I was thankful at the time that the girl I was dating really wasn't too into this. So I was able to avoid it. But yeah, overall, that, that's kind of like my loose affiliation with with the twilight franchise christian what about you so by the time this had really hit the breaking point when i was in uh, late high school you know i was pretty obsessed with a lot of things pop culture i was dating a girl at the time who's really into chuck palinuk like um you know we were both kind of like rocker kids out outcast kind of people and uh, i had gotten into harry potter when i was younger and I'd read that and was just getting into my later like AP literature classes and reading Faulkner and and um, and uh, who wrote uh, Catcher in the Rye and stuff. Whatever. I was reading Catcher in the Rye and reading all these like y- young adult-ish things, but from a generation of a little bit higher literature. So I was I was vi- and I was getting into like indie filmmaking. So I was at my most and I loved all the superhero stuff, but I was at my most like kind of pretentious peak. I was peaking as a pretentious asshole. And I remember the Twilight thing was about to come out. There's a lot of hype around it. And my sister, who doesn't read it. J.D. Salinger, J.D. for the record. Thank you so much. I can't believe we didn't remember that shit. Yeah. I was like, T.S. Eliot, no. T.S. Eliot, no. It's not T. And it was. I thought T.S. Eliot, too. Yeah. And I was like, that is absolutely not correct. I'm not yeah, going to say it. Like, J.D. Salinger. Yeah. Thank you very much, Chris. Uh, the only research person on the show. Uh, besides Brian. <laughs> Me being the unresearched person. So. My sister, who does not read, and, and that's not to diminish my sister. My sister is uh, a very intelligent person in a lot of different ways, but like reading and school were definitely not her strong suits. And so it was interesting that she got really into a book because that just wasn't a thing. She was more into you know TV and doing her musical theater stuff and, 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 and stuff like that. So she was reading, and I remember it reminded me of how I got into Harry Potter. It was very synonymous with that. I was like, yeah, Harry Potter was actually my introduction into literature and to reading a lot more as a young adult, and it was a supernatural thing. And so I actually wanted to give it a chance because my dad was very strict on the types of things we read and um, was very critical of Harry Potter because it was based in witchcraft and all this other stuff. And... And I'm surprised he let you read this. Uh, well, he was very critical on, on this as well. And I wanted to read it and kind of defend. I was like, no, this is how I got into literature was young adult supernatural fiction, something that has a flavor and a taste of something otherworldly that can lead into other things. Right. It's a great opening point. And I remember wanting to read it out of love and like, no, I, I don't want my sister to be discouraged from reading. And I read the first chapter of Twilight and I said, I think it's better if my sister never reads a book ever because I read it <laughs> and, oh and it really wasn't even the con. I, I didn't get into the minutia of what we're going to talk about as far as the problematic nature of the attraction and problematic romance that occurs in this film. Uh, from our from our standpoint, uh, which is a limited viewpoint, but I will I will say it what it didn't have anything to do with that. It, it was the fact that the sentence structure of the writing, which I don't know if it gets any better or if this is actually targeted. It's like more problematic that it's targeted at someone who's like 
10 years old. That would be like, it, it's, it's bad because it kind of feels like it's written for 10 year olds, but it, it contains very, it's kind of a, a but the material is romance, not for 10 year olds. Super. Yeah. yeah. Whole thing we're going to get into. But if you read the, from my recollection, and I have not revisited since I was like 17, the, the opening sentences are Bella from her. I think it's told from Bella's point of view. Um, at least in this first chapter. And it's, I am in a car. We are driving to my dad's place. I am looking out the window. I am thinking of home. I was going here. And it's like all, um, uh, what, what, what is it? Passive verbs are like being verbs. And there's no, there's no like compound sentences. There was no uh, separate declarative clauses, you know, or excuse me, dependent clauses that were occurring. There was no complex sentence structure. It was baby talk. It was how you would write if you just learned how to write. I mean, it was barbaric oh writing. In my in my opinion, in my recollection, I was appalled at literally just how stupid it was written uh, from, again, the first chapter of the book. So it's very limited. But that was like, no, this is this will not help you learn how to read. This will actively make you worse at reading, I think. Again, high pretentious phase. This is from my memory. But that was my first taste of it. And I was like, this sucks. And then seeing the trailers, I was like, God, this is such a cash grab. And this is so like borrowing for so many things. And it was like the one, it was one of the biggest phenomenons that I had avoided completely. And there was Burger King tie-ins and there was the t-shirts and the fan thing. And it was like one of the biggest things I remember not being a part of and actively being like, that shit sucks. And I put it off up until now, just like you, Chris. And this month came around, you put it on the list. I said, you know what? It, it's time. It's time that we, that we rip off this band and yep. watch it. And again, like you, my girlfriend loved these movies when they came out. She was a lot younger. Uh, she admits that this is the worst film of them all and that they get better. And I've as heard, did as did Mickey. And so I've heard critics on the same page. say that like the last movie is comp competent and 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 not bad, still holding a lot of the problems we're gonna have with it, but that these films do get better. So, so I'm interested, and we'll see what we do for the show of 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 continuing. Uh, and uh, we'll get into more opinions. Uh, in our next segment these are all on hulu right now for those listeners who have hulu uh, if you're interested in watching along so let's dive into it uh brian i i did i did want to get your opinion do you remember that did were you able to detect the difference in how i know you said it wasn't high fiction but did you have the same like this is really badly written even as a younger uh a younger person did you did you notice like this is just not written well am, am i remembering it wrong I definitely wasn't thinking that actively, you know, at the time I was in school reading a lot of stuff that was absolutely, you know, the Shakespeare stuff, the Faulkner, like you're talking about. So my pleasure reading probably tended to be at that time more stuff that you kind of unplug. It's easy, easy to read quick chapters. And I flew through those books. So yeah, at the time, um, I wasn't really thinking about things that critically because reading for school kind of sucked, even though I really loved reading. So anything that could catch my interest and keep me going for for four books in a way that, uh, you know, from a real young age, like third grade, I read Harry Potter and was just addicted to those. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, yeah, I was really just looking to like unplug. Yeah. Yeah. But even just like I said, the narrative and the lore was enough to to keep me um, entertained. That's interesting. Cause when I think of the, the, the early Harry Potter films, it doesn't ever feel like it's talking down to you. 
you know, it, it's not hard to understand. I don't think it's incomprehensible. I think that's why so many people were able to attach to it. But it seems like that the delivery for me seemed more insulting of like, I, I think even just the fact that the words were really big. And that like threw me off for how in the book, in the book, the writing in, in the Harry, in Harry Potter is definitely significantly better. I'd say yeah, yeah. in terms of like, you're saying like, vo- um, <laughs> expanded vocabulary. Like when I was reading those in elementary school, I would have to use a dictionary right. frequently. Right. You know, Twilight's not necessarily on that level, but like you said, it can maybe be accessible in a way that Harry Potter and other books aren't to some people. So. Sure. Sure. No, no, that's true. Uh, so maybe I was an asshole. You know, I should let my sister. Read. I think she still read them and liked them. Uh, so let's move on. Let's get into the meat of this episode. Our general thoughts on Twilight. Uh, Chris, for this one, I want to start with you. Your thoughts putting it off for so long, just like me and, and visiting it for the first time. Uh, let, I'm just going to give you some context, uh, loyal listeners. And, I, and Brian and Christian kind of already know my thoughts because I, I spoiled them in our group chat last night. But... When Mickey and I, my my wife, finished uh, the movie last night, uh, her first question to me was, what are your thoughts? Or do I have to listen to the podcast? And I wasn't going to force her to listen to this episode. So this, 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 so, this watch through, you were not actively vocal. Oh, I was. Okay. Yes. No, I, I was definitely talking most <laughs> of the, the watch through. Okay. <laughs> but she still wanted to know what my overall thoughts were when we got to the end of the film. And I, I paused for a moment. Uh, to really collect some positive thoughts. I wanted to lead with some positive thoughts, as I want to do right now. So I'm going to lead with some positive thoughts. And you said, well, Uh, I've seen that and got up and walked (laughs) into the kitchen. I was so close. I was so close to saying, well, now I've seen Twilight. But instead, uh, I collected my thoughts and I said, you know what? I really like the soundtrack to this movie and I really dig the font of the title no and then (laughs) (laughs) and then i paused and she goes is that are those the positive things is that it and i said yep and then i stood up and proceeded to rant about all the things that i dislike about this movie first and foremost i think the most problematic thing with this movie is the horribly toxic relationship between Bella and Edward Cullen. Not only Bella and Edward Cullen though, I think Bella has a naturally toxic relationship with literally everyone around her. Uh, Considering that the story is told from her perspective, it's very off putting that everyone in her social circle is so obsessed with her. It makes me very uncomfortable from the second she, she goes to high school in forks and she talks to like head of the newspaper and he's talking about wanting to write a feature about her. Everyone is just like really interested in, in the ongoings in her life. And it's, it it made me uncomfortable. Like it's almost to a stalkerish degree. And obviously Edward takes that to like the nth degree in terms of like how, how he's actually stalking her. But, but I mean, uh, to, to fight back on that, you know, her name is Bella, which I don't know if you caught up on the, uh, analogy in it but she is like mm-hmm. supposedly like the you know she's beautiful the beauty. Yeah, she's the beauty so i mean yes. beautiful, mm-hmm. I, I think girls do identify with like i get it beautiful girls do garner uh, attention they're not asking for and so i think that is a real thing that girls can experience especially in when they're younger in social circumstances so i, I don't think that just that in and of itself is is a negative no uh, and i i don't disagree with you i think that's a valid point but that doesn't change the fact that how she interacts with the world and how the world interacts with her in this film made me actively uncomfortable the entire time. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and, and while this movie, and, and we'll talk about themes a little bit more, but while this movie is supposed to uh, perpetuate this idea of like true love, like timeless love, and, and I'm saying that maybe not this movie specifically, but the franchise of Twilight as a whole is kind of supposed to perpetuate that like female fantasy of true romance. Uh, I think at least with this first film, it does it in a really toxic and problematic way. There, there are <laughs> just all of Edward's like listening in to what she's saying to other people and like constantly following her. It's supposed to be it's meant to be heroic uh, and chivalrous. And he's supposed to be like a, a white knight from from Stephanie Meyer's perspective, I think. But in reality, it just he, he constantly raises all these red flags while we were watching the movie. My wife and I kept laughing because like, I like, being, like, like the line, red flag. I want to like eat you. I, I want to kill you every second. I'm with you. I want to end your life right. that. Yeah, she yeah. he 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 <laughs> refers to her as uh, a type of heroine at one point. And uh, we, my wife and I were just joking because like every like 15 minutes he would say something and then I would be like red flag red flag <laughs> red flag why is she not running away like so th- that was kind of like my first problem with the movie is their their toxic relationship um and, and the fact that it's meant to be it's meant to be portrayed as this positive thing but it's really i, I don't think this is something that young women should aspire to have uh i think it's potentially dangerous in in all actuality uh, my second problem with the movie, and we'll also get into this a little bit later, is the fact that it just like utterly destroys any vampire mythology that uh, has come prior to it. I don't think Stephanie Meyer has any type of appreciation for like what vampires actually mean uh, in in the in like the overall global folklore you know, like what they've represented in the past. There are multiple instances over the course of the film where I was like, why doesn't he just mesmerize her? And then <laughs> Mickey would turn to me and be like, he can't. And I was like, what do you mean he can't? He's a vampire. Like that's vampire 101, being able to to trick people into seeing yeah, specific I, things. I will say this like, from my vampire playthrough, there are characters that have a higher tolerance to mesmerizing. So That is true. But the fact that he can't do it to anybody was like just so it, well, it just it frustrated me on like a nerdy read their level, minds, you know? but right he can read their minds but that doesn't mean that he can manipulate their minds he can only sure. read their minds and and again i'm just kind of like nerding out right now uh in its lack of of love for previous folklore but uh i don't think i saw any vampire teeth the entire film like do any of these vampires actually well, have I think vampire the lore, teeth? and brian you'd probably be able to speak this better the vampires seem to have specializations like this, this movie focuses on the fact that each vampire has a specialty. So, but each vampire still needs to feed on blood, which means all oh, of them yeah, need not the to teeth. have the I necessary. Was speaking to the previous point of like, okay, like some gotcha. vampires have traits that are enhanced and others don't. You know, correct. So it does. It does kind of show that. So in that in sense, it, it kind of makes its own lore make uh, somewhat of sense. But I don't think any of them were able to mesmerize anybody. They're vegetarians, the Chris. Vegetarians can't the, mesmerize. They, they're <laughs> vegetarians that only eat deer. <laughs> I know. Right, exactly. Such that, a silly metaphor. It, it was so funny. Uh, and then finally, and this is just, again, still nitpicking, and I knew I was going to hate this even before I saw it. The The whole sparkling thing, 
I don't know if they ever go into detail as to why they sparkle in the in the sunlight. Do they have like like diamond hard skin to to make them stronger? Like, just give me some type of reason as to why you're completely bastardizing this element of vampiric lore. I think he does say something like that about it's like. Uh, he's covered in diamonds or something and we'll, we'll get into the lore fully but i think like almost like serial killer chic is kind of like what they're going for and i like yeah. that as a metaphor like he's cold externally as well as internally type thing but it's yeah gross. they they don't explain it as far as i remember in the books they just sparkle so yeah uh, th- those are my overall some of my problems with this movie uh on top of that the the performances are horrible absolutely horrible one of the things i actually said to mickey uh after after watching it i was like one of the one of the things that made me happiest about watching this movie is seeing that both Kristen stewart and robert pattinson were able to overcome being in this film like that in and of itself is miraculous and overcoming a 400 million dollar box office so hard i'm just saying their performances in this movie are atrocious that's so weird am i gonna gonna be that i think i'm gonna be the defender of this movie i think i'm going to defend this movie because there are several points that i i disagree with you on this it's pretty crazy and i don't well i'm I'm excited to hear your counterpoints um, but th- that's just one of the things I said to her. I was like, it's astonishing that both of them were able to overcome what this, this movie was to them. And, and the, the types of performances, I keep hitting my, my stand, I'm sorry, the types of performances that they deliver in this film, because both of them became very good actors. Uh, every, most of the things that they've done after this are, are really good. And I don't know if they seem good by comparison or if they are actually good, uh, I th- I think it's the latter. I think they're both very talented individuals. Oh yeah, I agree with that. But uh, that in and of itself is miraculous that this just totally didn't tank their careers and they were typecast uh, as these characters forever, in my opinion. Anyway, uh, I'm done. <laughs> Who's next? So I actually want to jump in here because I-, I do think I'll bring a little more levity to this and a little more positive. So I actually came away with a lot of positives. I, I to counter your most recent point, I think... Um, Kristen Stewart and Robert Pattinson is the reason that this movie actually works. I think the writing of their characters is problematic, not only for like, I'll defend it a little bit later in the themes as far as like, what do I think is working and why it connects with people? Cause obviously there is a connection to like people feeling for these characters in this film. Like clearly the money's there, man. And the, the, the it didn't get canceled after this. They, they kept making them and, successful books and successful movies so obviously there is a theme that is connecting that 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 i will talk about later but i think that despite their characters being written terribly because bella's character is a non-character in this film she doesn't Mm -hmm. if you were she has the qui-gon jinn problem like if you were to write down the qualities of bella it'd be like she's pretty and she likes edward and she shouldn't that's in she's not from she's an outcast that's it right there's nothing more to her character really um other than she's like interested in other stuff or other people other than that she is a nothing burger of a character but i think she's she is doing (laughs) everything she can to make her character interesting and a lot of it is really cheesy you know uh, for lack of a better word, I fucking that's happening throughout this film, of which there is a ton. But oh, she's yeah. playing into this 
caught up in the eroticism, caught up in the lust, in the young infatuation, caught up in the um, you know, lo- love for her dad and having to make hard decisions that, that do happen when decisions actually happen, which it, nothing really happens in this movie, <laughs> to be quite honest. I think she and both Robert Pattinson are giving it a lot. Robert Pattinson is doing something very hard. And his accent is like this old, it's kind of from an, from an older time, which is interesting. And like, he's doing a little bit of the bus stone. Like, he's like, I'm, you know, I used to work on the docks, you know, it's a little bit of that going on, which, which I found interesting. So they're, he, they're doing everything they can. And I think it shows. And I think that it keeps the film afloat. So I'd say the performances by the core too. And, and by Bella's dad, um, I think they're in the, the, in the teens doing their thing. They're, they're rightly placed in a, in a teen, um, young adult movie. Like I think all the acting is good. Even from the cheesy vampires we find later in the story, they're very like B movie characters, but I, I think they're playing it to the, to the greatest strength. So I, I would fight back and say the performances are actually probably the saving grace, despite the underwritten characters being, you know, bad for all the reasons we'll talk about. Uh, another point to what is good about this movie is it does have style. I think it's a grab bag of Michael Bay meets what Sam Raimi was doing in the early Spider-Mans. I, I was seeing a lot of correlations between the campy kind of really hard zooms and the way that the camera followed the action. It, it, like the scene, the scene that made me think of it most is when Edward uh, approaches Bella in the cafeteria hall and drops an apple on his Kicks foot, the apple. reminding me exactly of Raimi's uh, scene with the with the oh, lunch that's tray. Spot on. With the- in that moment when we were when we were watching the movie, in that moment, and we hadn't even gotten the radioactive spider and kryptonite mm-hmm. line yet. I turned to Mickey and I was like, he's more like Spider-Man than a vampire. Sure. And she kind of laughed at that. And then Bella delivered the, you know, radioactive spider kryptonite thing. And and so I completely agree with you. I, I think it does have hints of like Raimi Spider-Man within it. Yeah, for sure. And and you get a lot of you get a lot of Michael Bay Dutch angles going on for mm-hmm. for no so uh, many Dutch angles it, out of nowhere. But it's it's kinetic. You know, there's that to sure. it. Like, yeah, it, it I think it's an ass grab of fucking style that doesn't really mesh into its own unique thing. It feels like there is uh, the, <laughs> the the baseball scene. And oh my god! In it, the, and even the scene when he's shown the power is a lot. When we get a lot of vampire powers, it's like we're getting three sixty pans. We're getting Dutch angles. We're getting zooms. We're getting it's the full camp- on action. Muse, movie. Muse is blaring in the background. Yeah, it's. I mean, it is pumping with like energy in an otherwise kind of lifeless script. The whole team behind the cinematography, I give them kudos for injecting life uh, into this film. So, so those are, I think, positive-ish adjacent things. Uh, but yeah, Chris, everything you said is true. I mean, there's a lot of problematic things. Uh, this, <laughs> this movie, I think the biggest sin is that nothing happens for like 50 minutes. Our main, our main villains are not established as people that we should care. I don't even, I can't even remember their names. When we finished the movie, I was like, I don't even know what their names are. Kyle, the and tracker. I, I know <laughs> that they were said, but like, I couldn't even, I don't know what their, what their motivations were. definitely one. I'm having trouble remembering the other. The one that survived Felicia or Nancy or something. (laughs) I do remember her name. Her name was Victoria. Victoria, There we go. I'm pretty sure. But James, who seems is seemingly like the main antagonist for this movie. uh, You, you use this term uh, in regards to Bella earlier Christian, but James is truly 
a nothing character, like a, a quote unquote nothing burger of a character. Like, what is his motivation? He's just a hungry vampire. He's literally just a predator who's trying to survive and they are depriving him of his of his meal. He's the most dangerous game as a vampire. Yeah. No, it, it, it's just they, they don't they, they have one scene in which he's killing and they have the murders that are happening. But otherwise, yeah, there's just no emotional connection between him and Edward, the other vampires, because they literally They've meet on the baseball like field. The, right. I, I was going to say the baseball scene is seemingly like the first time they've met. Right. Like there's no history between these characters. So there isn't even like any type of past motivation so, uh, between I, the two of them. I do appreciate kind of how this shows what the Cullens are and how they there are hurdles to them maintaining the facade of being human and stuff. And, you know, later in the series, we do get introduced to other groups of vampires and other families of vampires that become important. So, yeah, but well, I'll, I'll get into my my full opinions, but it is impressive how this is a two hour movie that feels like how was there a book made out of this because there's so much that I feel like in terms of what the rest the extended family in terms of the Cullen family can do uh, in terms of their specific powers like you were alluding to Christian that just doesn't even get touched here and isn't even tried to and even Jacob's character and stuff I think all that stuff is much bigger in in the books see that's so funny. it's funny that you see it that way because I saw it as clearly there wasn't enough adjustments to the format like to me some of the especially the ending that seems like we're rushed from plot point to plot point with seemingly no, we've left all the character motivations, but the plot points remain the same. It's like you needed for the film, for a two hour film, you needed to adjust how the plot plays out to fit the screen better because it just feels like these things that would have been great chap transitionary chapters in a book where you can take some time to develop some characters. It, you know, we were just hitting the points, especially towards the end. So to me, it felt like a, a, a thing that was making too comp too many compromises to the story of the book like that i felt that way. i'm like no one would write a movie this way you know what i mean right no and exactly i think one of the most effective scenes is when she has to turn on her father or pretend like it yeah and it's like that that actually hit me emotionally a bit yeah. and i feel like had we had a little more time to get into not only her relationship with her father but with her mother as well which right. is a lot more fleshed out um but that that still managed to work so i do agree that you do hit all the plot points but i just remembered and maybe this is just me thinking of future books i remember so much more of uh, the lore in terms of the extended family that wasn't even hinted at in this movie and I, I forgot how how little you're told in terms of what's what's actually happening sure yeah and they try to like it, i think it's like it always brushes up against it like we do get jacob in this film but very much he is a ancillary character and just tells some of the backstory and it's it's always like no i can't really go much into that it's just a story you know it's it's all this stuff where you're like, no, I clearly know that like you are telling like the audience knows that you, this is part of the greater world. So it doesn't come across. Very Mickey, well. Mickey was explaining that to me. Like, I guess Jacob is hasn't like come of age yet in this movie. So he's yet to become a werewolf or something. And that's what the sequel is about. New Moon, like him coming of age and finally becoming a werewolf and all that. Just so maybe that's why he's just like made my tribe. There are stories that I've heard. Uh, yeah, but I don't know. I but will as find a way out, to Christian, like, when we watch New Moon, explain the dialogue with those flashbacks that are from like a bad right. true crime story. You know, uh, the whole film is like I think. I think uh, again to argue. I think the characters actually do bring it to life, and there is some momentum throughout. And uh, as we'll get into themes, I think there are compelling things for young 
women in particular to, to gravitate towards uh, that that maybe we're not thinking of that perspective enough, possibly. Uh, oh, also, last note, the hair. The hair in this film is incredible. The hair is, is so good. Uh, all the vampires' hair. Uh, <laughs> like, I love that straight Robert Pattinson of, has straight out of the, the late two thousands. Oh my god, he looks like he looks like early JT, and um, I'm here for it. So. <laughs> uh, oh, that's great, uh, Brian. Your overall thoughts on Twilight? Yeah, we've said a lot of it here. I'll say, even when we watched this movie in two thousand eight, we knew it was not a great movie. I know the line. You better hold on tight, Spider Monkey was used many times jokingly after <laughs> because of how absurd and ridiculous the whole lead up is. But yeah, I think ultimately, um, looking back on this, and even at the time, like I said, maybe not in this book as much, but it's just a very creepy story. Um, and <laughs> like like you said, Chris, so many red flags. Um, ultimately, you know. Bella is not being manipulated. She's making all of her own decisions, but it brings up a lot of weird questions. You know, it's like Edward is what? Oh, well over 220 years old. years old, I think at this yeah, point, like at least hundred years old. She's playing yeah, Matthew McConaughey. I'm like, I keep, he was 17. I, he said he was 17 in 1918. So, so he's under a hundred years, uh, under a hundred years old at this point. Okay. Yeah, I got you. Oh, yeah. so a young whippersnapper. And he's just like, he's like, he's, he's like Matthew McConaughey and Days Confused, but he's like, I keep staying the same age and they keep staying the same age. <laughs> well, I guess, I guess if he was 17 in, in 1918, he's just over hundred years old. Cause he's been sure, 17 yeah. for less than hundred years. Why am I even so, bothering yeah. to calculate this? <laughs> Aside from all that weirdness, there are parts of this movie that work and have fun. Like there's there's humorous bits. Um, one of the earlier scenes when Bella gets introduced to the kids at high school, um, they're asking for other stories because they didn't do the. Uh, she doesn't want them to do a cover feature about her, and she suggests. Uh, what is it? Uh, swimsuit packing for the swim team, and then the girls start like, "Oh yeah, this guy definitely is packing." And I was just like, "This is this is absolutely hilarious," and felt like something that regular high school stuff. Exactly, like a real high school um, scenario. Yeah, uh, I think when when they're at the compost plant and the the jocks are like playing with the worms, and they're like, "Ah, eh, look, it's a worm! It's a worm!" Mickey and I are both like. I we definitely went to high school with people like this. <laughs> like I know people that would have done this. Yeah, exactly. And again, and reminiscent of the scene right before Peter in Spider-Man one gets bit by the spider. They're on like a field trip. You know, there was a lot of again bringing up these correlations between the original Spider-Man. True. Yeah, definitely. I I didn't think about it until you said that, Christian. But it's definitely there. And uh, it was it's interesting seeing Anna Kendrick um, in kind of one of her. Uh, first big roles and she you know with pitch perfect so and everything has blown up i know and she's great in it you know she kind yeah. of um ended up doing this kind of role but i think she's grown out of it now i had recently really loved her performance in um a simple favor that was from a few years back um great movie but yeah um the soundtrack i 
I think the soundtrack, I liked it more back in the day, like the baseball scene, because it was from the book, because it was two Muse. When I saw that, I was all in for it in 2008 in the theater. I was having so much fun. Now it was it was pretty cheesy. I think I like it conceptually that they can only play during the thunderstorm and stuff because they're super strong. But yeah, it's just like you said, Christian, it's one of those like action movie scenes in this teen drama that's... <laughs> just everything all at once it's it really uh, it, give it up insights like what the fuck is happening right now like <laughs> that's the only thing i can describe like this is where we're like getting intense of like this on baseball i could i can see it's uh charming nature though i can see where it fits in i will give it up to that framing like you said brian like they can only play baseball during thunderstorms because hitting the ball against the bat the crack sounds like thunder right so that's that's cool okay sure (laughs) okay one point for you stephanie meyer um (laughs) the whole watching her while he sleeps we'll probably just get into it with themes but he's definitionally a stalker and because he saves her she's like cool with it i guess but there's just so much weird about that going on um christian this time watching it, you made a joke when we watched uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula, the Coppola movie, about the shadow basically being like a kid hiding his boner. This is Edward when he meets Bella for the mm-hmm. first time. Yeah. Oh, he yeah. looks like he's creaming 100%. his pants. <laughs> it's so <laughs> funny. And in the book, it's much more explicit that it's like her blood is just like he's got Turning literal bloodlust. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah he's, he wants to eat her. But for him the way he did it, i mean he's doing a lot of acting there and it's very strange and uncomfortable so i think it gets across yeah but um yeah it made me think of your comment about a, a teenager hiding their boner so definitely <laughs> oh, i'm glad i'm i'm glad i'm really getting through to you brian uh <laughs> before before we move on there's one more uh hilarious thing i wanted to mention while we were watching the movie and bella's like researching uh vampire lore <laughs> mickey turned to me and she was like Bella Swan, the only girl that goes to a library to rent a book to look up a word to do a Google search. <laughs> <laughs> I was dying laughing. Yeah, also, like, also, like she she literally gets the book, finds one word, and then does a Google search when she could have just done a Google search to begin with. <laughs> I will say, uh, the the tribe that Jacob is supposedly from is a real tribe that mm-hmm. does have wolves associated with their lore. And if there's someone from that tribe who's trying to make a movie that is actually like true to that, I'm totally here for that. Just just throwing it out there. Anyone who's listening even from that tribe, um, I don't think Stephanie any- Meyer is doing you guys justice personally. But um, <laughs> it seems like there, there know, could be something cool there. One thing I do appreciate about that kind of piggybacking off of what you're saying, Brian, is Mickey told me that when they were shooting the film, the members of Jacob's tribe are actually uh, local members of the reservation in Washington. So they, besides Taylor Lautner, they actually pulled people that wanted to be in the movie from uh, the local reservation, which I think is awesome. Oh, wow. That's interesting. Yeah. One last comment on overall opinions uh, to, to Chris, your point about the lore. I think this movie is, it feels sometimes like it's actively like, these aren't your mother's vampires. These aren't your daddy's vampires. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you think about it, the last fight scene takes place in a room full of mirrors. You know, right. you know it seems like so antithetical to like, and, and they make a good That's point hilarious. of being like, yeah. he's actively, the premise of the scene is that he's using the mirrors to distract her with his reflection. So it just feels like this whole, like, these aren't, 
technically the same kind of vampires, which like Okay, so not- now we're Go ahead. No, no, I just, we're kind of getting into themes and lore at this point, so I'm just going to hop in because I feel like something that this book does is, like you said, she is kind of actively going against some of the common tropes, but what I think is interesting about it is she's kind of implying that the tropes are based in the actuality of what these creatures are, so it's like they can go outside, but they would just be exposed if they they do, Mm -hmm. and with mirrors, it's almost like, oh, they can hide in plain sight because if it's out there that they don't have reflections and they actually do. It's another way for them to, sure. um, yeah. you know, hide as humans. Oh, so Stephanie Myers is a genius. I don't know. You rest your case. <laughs> <laughs> no, but let's, Nailed it. Brian, Brian, Nailing I can appreciate, <laughs> I can appreciate that perspective. Thank you for the dad joke. Uh, <laughs> I'm here all night. <laughs> I think at that point though, you just don't call them vampires. It would be like a and joke. That's where someone goes point. like, Oh, you're like a vampire. It's like, no, it's not like what you think of vampire. You know, you know, like kind of brush right, it off. Like, like the comparisons made in jest, but really they're not vampires. You know what I mean? I think that w- I, I would have no problem with with what? God damn it! I keep hitting my mic. I'm so sorry, Christian. <laughs> you keep bitch slapping your mic like <laughs> like Edward. It owes me some money. Bella <laughs> to the corner. My mic owes me some money. Uh, I would have no problem. Owes you some blood. Whatever they are, <laughs> if if Stephanie Meyer just didn't call them vampires because they are not vampires, they are some type of paranormal creature. Mm. But like they're just not va- besides like the blood sucking. That seems to be the main vampire thing, though, is the blood sucking. Yeah, everything else is a sticking point. Let's move on into themes about this. Obviously, this is a it's very core. It is a teen romance story. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is what this movie is. There's some other stuff going on, but I think, you know, that is the main thrust of it. So, Chris, what do you find so problematic about Twilight? Well, like I said earlier, Christian, uh, I think that one of the core themes of this movie is like lust and love and and forbidden love, you know, for the most part. Like you said, this is a young adult romance series and typically what those are supposed to do is they're, they're supposed to perpetuate this like fantastic romance for young women, things that, that young women might want to see uh, in the, in their own romantic lives. You know, like my, my own wife said that when she was a teen, she wanted a vampire boyfriend because of twilight. And I just think the relationship between Bella and Edward, like I said at the beginning is just so toxic and it and so unhealthy that it's it, it's like I said uh, a dan- dangerous you know like women shouldn't aspire to have men in their lives that act this way toward them because these are again red flags you know these men they would be unhealthy uh, <laughs> psychologically and he's being upfront about it it's not like the red flags yeah. are are hard to spot that's almost what she's attracted to about him seemingly right right and here's uh, here's where my pushback comes in and like because you have we have to answer the question what is connecting because there's something connecting and i think it's that uh and please write into popoxcast.gmail.com if i'm really off base but the perspective that i have to imagine a young girl is there is this the the aspect of unwanted or un uh unrequested affection and lust towards a young female and 
her being actively interested and also feeling attraction to something else and knowing that it's dangerous and problematic, yet not being able to overcome the emotion and feeling um, of the, uh, like, uh, feeling the need to, like, being swept up in the emotion of it to not care about, obviously, these supernatural red flags. And I think a lot of young women go through that, right? Where you're not really, you know, you I don't want to say, like, your body's changing. You don't know all that. That is, you know, but there is an aspect of... But that is part of it. You know, yeah. everything that Edward's doing in this, in this film could be an allegory for, like, puberty. And really, you know? he's trying, like, he's a person that comes from, I mean, like, literally... A like a problematic past. He's got demons in his closet. That demon being that he needs to sustain himself on the on living blood. <laughs> but he actively doesn't want to do that. But he's still a predator at heart. And I think there's this analogy, as problematic it may be, to men as predators. But not you know he's fighting his mortal urges while also being attracted and wanting Bella. Uh, and he's having to fight, you know, the feeling versus the primal instinct. Uh, and yeah, again, it's it's a little problematic, but I, I can see young women seeing like being like, oh, I know Edward's bad, but like and that it could be bad. But there's redeeming qualities in him, and w- in which there are even in the movie as badly written as a character as I think he is. You know, he's interesting and he's caring and he's like he obviously protects her. Right. And there's these elements like these big, broad um elements of chivalry and of goodness and she sees that and she you know has that tried and true great mindset of you know maybe maybe with the right the right relationship we'll make it work so another universe um greece actually starred edward cullen and (laughs) bella (laughs) yeah and so i mean the vampires themselves are trying to be better and not trying like one of them's a doctor and clearly has over, well, seemingly, I don't know if the story gets into this, but seemingly is helping people now, like helping humanity, right? And the whole family seems like they're trying to move in a direction of normalcy and living with their curse, so to speak. And Edward's a part of that. And he is fighting, you know, his his demons off. So, you know, there's an element I can definitely see that, that connects with uh, people, uh, especially, you know, young women. Yeah, I think ultimately if it, wasn't a fantasy it would be ridiculously problematic but because it's vampires and werewolves you can have that level of separation um ultimately it's funny because um and this may be apocryphal but i'm pretty sure that the 50 shades of gray series is kind of influenced by this story and kind of a fanfic of some sort dude when when i got to the end of the film i didn't tell mickey this but the my first thought when the credits rolled i was like this is kind of Fifty Shades of Grey light, you know, like yeah. th- this is a Fifty Shades of Grey that a teenage audience can watch. Um, so I, I have the exact same thought. I think you're definitely onto something there. But yeah, so this was well before. Um, yeah, yeah. This, 2005, the first movie, and then 2011 was Fifty Shades of Grey. But, has but yeah, there, in- hasn't there always been these like it's a very niche audience but i mean these these supernatural romance novels have been very popular with with women of all ages for for and even men you know i don't want to i don't want to make this a whole gender thing but yeah the the romance genre in general typically embodies like supernatural creatures and mythical beings representing love interest and kind of the uh forbidden fruit the taboo of of that and and there's something enticing there and I, i 
you know, I come away from this conversation like really thinking about, you know, we say, I, I don't want to put you just on the spot because I also love Batman, but we look at it and we go, you know, we're tyrannical with our opinions on what women should feel towards literature like this and be like, it's not healthy for you. He's a bad boy. He's bad mm-hmm. for you. He wants to kill you. And admittedly, in the film, he says, like, I want to kill you. And then she goes, I trust you. And you're like, hmm, every <laughs> father's dream. <laughs> but there is a little bit of, like, why are we not thinking it's good for women to indulge in this? When we're like, yeah, but this guy who fucking had his parents murdered and now wants to be a vigilante person, a militia member, who goes around, a, it serves, uh, like, unlegally binded justice and vengeance isn't problematic and we look at this country and i say like "Eh, it's kind of it's kind of equally if not more so problematic that we idolize someone who takes the law into their own hands and and the movies are not wrong and the show and the movies they eventually address those things right but i think it is i i would say it's a little problematic for us to have such a judgmental view on what's good for young teenage girls to look into when when clearly i think there is an unchecked bias towards like men who take things into their own hands and do bad things for good like come on let the women have a little fun sure he's he's gonna suck your blood eventually it's gonna end in horror but you know have your fun while you're at it and i'm not gonna judge you for it and it's funny because ultimately edward is more conservative than bella you know, uh, yeah. I, I can't remember how explicit it is. Yeah, here, I mean, but she he act- won't sleep actively with her says, until they're married. Make me a vampire. <laughs> like, yeah, right. she does. She, <laughs> yeah, she wants it. And he's like, no, I can't. Uh, Brian, your your thoughts on the themes? I think, yeah, you you've pretty much nailed it. I think there may be, and this is just me with my over analysis, some problematic white savior stuff happening. But this is from me looking back at the entirety of the lore, and maybe not this movie specifically teen sexuality and I, I you texted us saying there's so much horniness in this movie or something and <laughs> that's pretty much it it's just like a lot of horny glances between these characters and i don't know i i'm excited to if you guys are going to go through the rest of these i may put myself through it just so i can be a part of the conversation but um it's it's really interesting how you know looking back on something like this 15 years later i have such different perspective on it and i'm thinking about it like in terms of how kids you know will think of things later when at the time i wasn't thinking that deeply about this stuff so i I do i think it's good of you to bring up that point christian like is it like how do we know what (laughs) what kids should be reading and as three three dudes it's like we probably aren't the best uh we should have had a woman on, I guess. It's ultimately, it's like, <laughs> we tried. Maybe we me should and get Chris, some female perspective. Me and Chris I know, tried to I know. get the ladies on. Uh, maybe in future episodes, we shall see. We definitely wanted uh, a, a fangirl of this uh, female perspective on this. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I think ultimately where my problems with it all coming together as far as theme is exactly what you said, Brian, which is it's just teen horniness, right? And I feel like that is what's connecting. And, Uh, I think the problematic thing we made a lot of good viewpoints on, but I think my biggest problem is that at least in far, as far as the context of the first movie, it's like actively this film doesn't do anything to build. I think the best supernatural meets X genre. And this is supernatural meets, uh, this is like fantasy meets romance. Right. And we'd argue Batman is action adventure, you know, meets uh, superheroism or vigilantism, and you know, and you can go on and on about you know the cross between these genres. Is that 
the lore itself builds on the themes. And in this film, some, you know, the fact that he wants to actually consume her is analogous to the way, a, a, you know, a man takes a woman to be a lover, right? There is, there is a, there's kind of a violent primal thing involved in that. So th- it's there. But then you have decisions like he sparkles in the sun, which we've mentioned, but it's kind of like if he really is like revealing his true self, he would be ugly in the sun or the sun would reveal the inner darkness of him. Right. And the the film decides, no, he's just going to (laughs) sparkle. He's just going to stand out. And, uh, you know, you could say the same for so many lore decisions on like, it doesn't feel like other than the central conceit of vampirism, the film seems to me to not perpetually build the lore into the storytelling effectively. And I think that's ultimately where it fails the most. That's where I'd be the most critical is that the protagonist who's just really good at smelling shit, I guess, and good at tracking, isn't analogous to a conflict of the romance. He's just... You mean the antagonist? Excuse me. Yeah, thank you, Chris. The antagonist of this film is not a counterbalance to what Edward and Bella are going through. He's merely a means to have Edward defend her and get stuck in the situation of, you know, sucking the venom out and getting stuck, which which is like, again... The vampirism element is the only thing that's working for me as far as how it's correlating the lore with the with the actual narrative and theme of the story. But I think the movie just fails time and time and time again with comparing and contrasting what is supernatural versus what is the human thematic element. And for that, I think it is the the biggest failure upon which this film falls as far as its its themes of romance. I completely agree. <laughs> yeah, thought you would. Uh, Brian, do you do you have anything to add to that? It's only there so we can get that great home video trick <laughs> at the end. Yeah, that's, and speaking that's the of, whole plot line. where did he even get that tape? Like, <laughs> he's he's very resourceful and fast, I guess. <laughs> also, also, I would say um, the special effects in this movie are not great. It have not aged well. The whole climbing up the tree and jumping around looks pretty, pretty, pretty silly. Yeah, I really hope that the good. special effects get better as we progress through this franchise brian do they get better i'm not the best at special effects recognition to begin with i believe that it does though and i imagine as the budgets get bigger which i assume they do that it did and especially with the werewolf stuff i remember um yeah i I don't remember it looking bad budgets get bigger technology advances as the franchise progresses so i would hope yeah do you think just to close out the thematic lore conversation um, Brian, do you think that the lore and the supernatural elements and theme develop in a positive direction as the film as the films go on? Well, it's definitely yeah, it's definitely much more expanded, and you figure out what uh, what the other vampires can do because you know we get um, I'm blanking Ashley Green's character, the, vision, the girl who has visions and stuff, right? Yeah. She could see the future. Um, her partner Jasper, which is in this movie, and they just don't mention his power, but he can like basically anip- manipulate the emotions of people in a room so we can keep a situation calm Ah, or something like that. Yeah. So there's a lot of cool stuff that they do flesh out a little later and that becomes, um, important to the, to the ultimate climax, but all the stuff with, with the werewolves, even though, you know, it's kind of weird how it all plays out. Uh, I think there is a lot of, a lot more lore. I was surprised the lack of lore in this movie compared to what I remember about it. I'll say that. So I think there's a, a lot more to explore. Interesting. Yeah. You know, and I have to say, and closing out themes and general opinions, I am not not interested to finish the series. I, as much as I don't think this is a good film, like I think basically it's not a great film. I did mention all the positive things that I think 
were able to get it to the point of, of the zeitgeist and connect with people. But I will say after all this and knowing there's more story, I am interested in seeing where it goes. So I I feel like if I would have suffered through it, if my if the girl I was dating at the time was into it, I think I wouldn't have, you know, bitched and moaned too much to go see the next one. I really don't think I would. I think I would have been like, all right, can it get much worse, right? And uh, and so I am interested in going forward, which I think I did not expect to have uh, coming out of it. Chris, are you 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 seemed before the show? You seemed like down to continue the journey. I I to be honest, man, you know I'm a sucker for world building and lore, and like even though this film lacks a lot of that, just hearing Brian say that. Uh, things become more relevant and they expand more on like the mythos of this franchise. It just gets me excited as like uh, a world building and lore nerd, you know? So yes, I'm interested to continue. I'm, I am hoping that uh, maybe we get to have some conversations on the podcast about uh, that journey, especially with the girls. I think that'd be really interesting, but uh, yeah. And, and you know, like more than anything else, e- even outside of just, experiencing the franchise i'm excited to continue so i can experience something that my wife likes you know it's it's a lot of it's more about that journey just sitting down with her and getting to watch something like through her eyes whether i like it or not just spending time with her uh and absorbing something that she's a fan of is worthwhile so yeah and i'm stuck in it like you in a contract uh when i was like hey we're gonna watch twilight <laughs> she goes you know we have to watch all of them now you're not gonna get me started on this and we're not gonna finish it and i was like oh i knew i i knew <laughs> even before we started this because like i said i've been actively avoiding watching these movies for seven years and the contract that she and i made uh seven years ago was that i would watch all of them so i knew as soon as i broke the seal and we started the first movie i would have to watch the rest of them yeah maybe uh, and in fact tonight before we started recording she goes so uh when are we gonna watch the next one all right <laughs> it seems we're both stuck in it so i think this journey's continuing uh and uh we'll see if you know bonus episodes are ahead i don't know christian's got a lot going on right now so that sounds like a lot of editing. you do <laughs> It does. That yeah. I don't know if so I have the we'll, time we'll, for right now. We'll see so what we're going to do. We'll try do. to figure it out. If you're interested in that, please email us at popboxcast.com. In closing uh, for this episode, uh, we are going to uh, talk about the end of Vampire Month. That's that's the end of it. And uh, lightly compare this to other films, but I think just closing out uh, our thoughts on uh, on Bloodsucking Month, on, on the vampire lore. Uh, Brian, if it's okay, let's start with you. How does this compare to other films and how how, how do you, what are your final thoughts on, on this walkthrough the vampire lore that we have done. So going from what we do in the shadows last week, which is a skewering, but also a love letter to vampire lore and vampire stories. This is pretty much as far from that as you can get, because like you said, it just flies in the face and repurposes all of the classic vampire lore to tell a story about, uh, vegetarian vampires, teen horniness, (laughs) and teen horniness ultimately um i think i don't know if you caught it i believe there was a quick shot of nosferatu um while she was was. doing research so that was was. in fact i even said out loud hey look it's nosferatu (laughs) so i did appreciate that but really aside from that this is the most action movie you know, it's it feels like almost superhero esque, like you say. Um, even though some of the vampires in the other movies we've covered have abilities, we don't 
I don't know. I never would have thought of them as superhero like. And this is very much in like I I guess this was the year before Iron Man. And I'm thinking same about year. it. Is the same year. Mm-hmm. But it definitely feels like almost a caricature of what vampire lore historically has been presented as and it's just like oh we're just gonna superpower they've got everything they're they're untouchable so from that perspective in the historical lore um it doesn't really do any justice but yeah i think for a new age of the whole sexy vampire thing with um true blood true blood and <laughs> and all of these sorts of shows this is a sort of vampire that clearly some people are looking for. So um, maybe it's going to be This is the contemporary modern day vampire. Yeah. So I guess I don't think it's always been about teen horniness, but maybe that's the new age of, of vampirism. <laughs> Chris. Yeah. As I, I've said in the previous episodes over the course of the month, like one of the aspects of vampire lore is that forbidden love. And this movie ties into that deeply. Uh, I, I think this movie has worse special effects than any of the other movies that we've watched this month. Uh, like I you think said, there Ryan, is more. This, I mean, I appreciate, I, I wholeheartedly appreciate the special effects in every other movie we've watched. I think there's more artistry in, in those movies than there is in this film. Uh, there, it's just not. And, and maybe it's because the vampires are like, you know, this film was missing. It was missing some good old fashioned, Ramblings on the pipe organ, if you ask me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I, I've been I've been kind of um, uh, I've been very positive on all the special effects for everything we've watched this month, and this this movie just does not deliver uh, in in that in that area. And, and and like I was just saying, it could be because our characters are out in the daylight, you know. And as we know, the the more well lit bad special effects are the worse they look also also, notably chris i hate to interrupt you i don't know that there is a scene that happens at twilight you know twilight is what the early morning or is it the the late night like right before right after uh dusk twilight is twilight is uh between dusk and, and night i believe yes it's called like yeah, twi- it's twilight, twilight is minutes. like evening. It's like the evening. Yeah. It, uh, yeah. Oh my I, gosh. Yeah. I, 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 I don't really understand the correlation. Maybe someone could let us know. Anyway, keep going. Yeah. And Brian, like you said, uh, it, it just completely bastardizes everything about vampire lore where the other three films that we watched, uh, you know, relish it, you know, they, they live in it. Um, traditional vampire lore. So, it doesn't hold a lot in common with the other things that we've watched um, outside the fact that the word vampire is utilized. (laughs) Undeniable. Christian. (laughs) You know, I do think there is a, a liberty that's taken with vampires, but as we said, I think it is boldly is a strong word, but it is taking vampires and using that, to the means of a teen romance. And I think doing it effectively, clearly doing it effectively as it, as it has connected with so many people. So I think it's a a modernized modernization of, of this idea, right. And taking everything that I guess is sexy from it, or what is lustful and and youthful about it. And you can't, 
watch Bram Stoker's Dracula and be like, there isn't some horniness there, right? And there's a lot more. Of course, yeah. Lore and supernatural, but like you said, Brian, there's an incorporation of kind of a modern superhero film in with the vampires. So, you know, it's a unique take, and and probably amongst our generation, probably a lot of people's understanding of vampires in in their context, right? And they'll relate yeah. and compare other vampires to you know the Collins, you know, the most famous vampire tribe in 2020. That hurts me. Uh, <laughs> that, that hurts me to my core. As someone, in putting the whole month in perspective, vampires have always been an ancillary, unsacred thing. I mean, they're kind of unsacred by their very nature. They're very much a cursed species, right? And I think that's the, to me, in the most bird's eye view, a vampire is a, is a monster, is a cursed individual. And the interesting thing about a vampire is that it appears in human form, but is a monster. And I think regardless of all the other rules that is the that is the most essential part of the vampire is that it is an immortal and it is a a a thing that gives abilities but also has drawbacks that make it not worth it and i think all the films we've talked about in and all the vampire films that i'm aware of Explore this. And for that, I don't think Twilight completely bastardizes the lore of vampires because it plays with the idea of immortality, of a cursed individual, of conflict within that. And I think that is uh, that is undeniably the core element of a vampire. So all these films kind of meet that criteria. And being such a, a creature that I have not obsessed over or dug too deep into, and none of my favorite things involve vampires. Um, I think this month has proven what an interesting exploration, the idea of immortality and having to feed off like the idea of the conflict of having to feed off live the living uh, to survive is and, and how it can be uh, displayed and, and, and written in so many different ways. And I've enjoyed it. You know, I talked on the weekly upload about how I played through the the video game Vampire. And, you know, that game would not be as enjoyable if I didn't watch all this other Vampire material because uh, it really puts it into context. And, of course, a game, you're living the the character. And so, you know, dude, I'm, I'm, dudes, I'm psyched to rewatch the Blade series, which I haven't seen in forever. Ooh. You know, and I want to get in some... His name is not Emeril Lagasse. Emeril Lagasse is a chef, but... What is the the guy from like the you know nineteen thirties to the sixties or whatever the Bella Lugosi Bella Lugosi another meatball man <laughs> a meatball man that is a that is probably a problematic Italian uh, slur that I just made up I am a quarter Italian so I think I can say that I don't know uh, we you know much like vampires they love the red sauce. Uh, Christian, have you never seen <laughs> no, uh, no Universal's Dracula? No, I have not. So th- those are things that I want to revisit. So this has been a very exciting month in in, in retrospective. I've, I've, I've uh, enjoyed it immensely and uh, enjoying the uh, diving deep. And you know, the more we do this podcast, the more I'm like, you should not get attached to any one person's vision of anything. Um, it's true. You know. But this is what the internet's for. Yeah, we're Being supposed to argue off about at other people's <laughs> things. <laughs> Very true. Any closing thoughts on vampires? This was a blast. I had a lot of fun revisiting these films with you guys. Um, and, well, watching one one of them for the first time. Your favorite one. And I'm, I'm happy, Christian, that, you know, we could have another month that exposes you 
to uh, something you're unfamiliar with. It's always fun watching these things with you through like a fresh, fresh eyes and a new perspective. So I, I always appreciate that about these months. And uh, it got me into the spooky season. So I appreciate that as well. Absolutely. Brian. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I had so much fun. Saw two new movies plus a handful, <laughs> way too, an embarrassing amount of other movies in Vampire Lore this month uh, and a couple still remaining. But yeah, this is something that uh, I had a fun time looking back on my life and realizing how much vampire content I have consumed actually and uh, looking forward to consuming some more. And I'm happy that you guys um, could live up to your Twilight obligations through the podcast it's mm-hmm. always good to see productivity happening you know brian me too <laughs> i had to you know i there was there is like six months ago and actually erica was uh my girlfriend was like you know i just rewatched these movies very like a short time ago it was while i was in california and the pandemic had just started yes we're recording in 2020 right now if you're listening uh the global pandemic is upon us but it had just started and i called her and she was bawling right She's crying her, her face off. And I thought I had done something wrong or something terrible had happened. You know, that's the first thing that comes to your head. And she's like, no, I'm just, I'm just finishing Twilight. <laughs> 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 so I know these movies mean, uh, mean a lot to her. Uh, so I'm very happy to be, re- to, to be visiting for the, them for the first time. All right. So that is, that is Twilight. That is our vampire month. We have gotten through it. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk about vampires in the future. And uh, yeah, and you can revisit, you know, we talked about Nosferatu, Bram Stoker's Dracula, and what we do in the shadows, as well as uh, this movie. So go back and revisit those if you haven't already. Chris, we have a new month upon us. We do. Hey, Christian coming in for a quick edit here. We had planned, in honor of Cyberpunk 2077's release in November, to do November as Cyberpunk Month. Uh, That, as of just today in editing this, has been pushed back to December. So we are also going to push back our Cyberpunk Month to December, which includes Blade Runner, Robocop, Ghost in the Shell, and Johnny Mnemonic. Uh, and instead, in honor of Spider-Man Miles Morales' release, we are going to go through all three Spider-Man films. So it's going to be Spider-Man, Spider-Man 2, and then we're going to be doing the Spider-Man 3 editor's cut version, as well as at some point doing a review conversation about Spider-Man Miles Morales, available on PlayStation 4 and PlayStation 5, November 12th. And we will be recording an episode about that sometime towards the end of the month or early December. Uh, But we'll keep you updated on that. Back to the show. You can also check out our weekly uploads. Uh, Those are the latest going-ons in news and what we're experiencing and consuming in uh, the world of pop culture. So check those out. Email us at popholicscast.gmail.com with questions, comments, concerns, thoughts about Twilight, Blade Runner, whatever. We don't care. We just love hearing from you. Uh, and uh, also, if you could take the time to rate us five stars, we'd really appreciate that. That means the world to us. If you just go to your uh, podcast player, rate us five stars. If you write a review on Apple Podcasts, we will read it aloud on said weekly upload. Follow us on the social media, links in the show notes, as well as our affiliate. If you look down and you see an affiliate link, click it and use that service. We really appreciate it that we get a kickback from that. We literally get money from that. And if you need that service, if you're going to use it anyway, use it through that link. That really helps out the show a lot. Boys, where can people find more of your goings on on the internet? Loyal listeners, you can find me on Twitter at Chris Conkling. And you can find me at True Papaholic. And you can find me at Christian Katie on Twitter. As well as, I'm going to plug it, Brian, if you're not going to, uh, uh, I have produced 
Brian has starred in. <laughs> An upcoming music project by Who Knows, which is Brian's moniker. And it is a hip-hop project. It is the first thing that I've uh, produced, so I'm very proud of it. It's the first thing I've done written music for and uh, had some work done by my uh, by friend of the show, Kyle Hoffer, as well. The single coming out in a couple days now at this point is called Alchemy, and you can find that on Apple Music and Spotify, wherever you stream music. And the full EP, Placebo, will follow shortly thereafter. Very excited. Oh, me I'm too. I'm super excited about it. Absolutely. So look forward to that. We'll see you uh, all. Thank you so much for listening. I want to thank the listeners. Uh, this has been really fun doing this Vampire Month. Again, recommend uh, things. Uh, send us an email and recommend what you'd want us to cover in the future. Otherwise, uh, just a big thank you for listening and making it through uh, this show. We'll see you next week on Pop, Pop. Pop. Pop.